Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. I'm here with Pastor Nate today, and uh, we're talking through our week two of this series, The God I Created, lowercase g. That's an important piece in this sermon series. Um, but Pastor Nate, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you, even though it was your plans, how was your Memorial Day weekend? <laughs> I stole his opening line. That was great. How was yours? It was fun. It was fun. We did, we celebrated uh, seven years of our marriage, me and Haley. Awesome. Um, so that was cool. And we had our, we had a vacation with no kids. So that was even better. Where'd you go? We just went to Kennebunkport. So we just did a bunch of bike rides and because really we had no schedule because that's the best part with no kids is like whenever we felt like getting up to go do something, we just got in the car. We didn't have to get everyone ready. And so we didn't really had no plans yeah. at all. So it was, it was pretty good. You went camping a bunch, right? Out in the back. Yeah, we, we did some camping. We camped Friday night and then we slept at home Saturday night. So because of church. Right. And then uh, went back out Sunday, Sunday night. It's awesome. So yesterday was a full work day for us. But because you have to pack up camp. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we had to, uh, we were relocating animals and animal pens and fencing. Oh, man. You're moving all of them? We moved them to another part of the, another part of where we live. Gotcha. Um just uh to get them to eat all the weeds and gotcha yeah brush in another area we so did that keep. yesterday and then finished it off the last thing we did i did get ice cream with the kids when we were bringing their friend home who spent the weekend with us oh that's awesome and then the last thing we did was drop my truck off for an inspection at the garage mm. and then got home at like nine o'clock so it was a full day. That's intense. Wake up on a route and non- <laughs> pretty much nonstop until. With a back that probably felt yeah. great. Well, I, my back felt fine. It was my neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have weird sores on my body now because I decided on Monday to just buy a bunch of um, plastic and make a long slip and slide for the kids, which I'm not built to slip and slide anymore. <laughs> But I did it, and I went. I went hard on that slip and slide. Yeah, and my knees <laughs> were on fire. My left, my left side of my shin and the left side of my thigh are all cut up from a headfirst slide into home base during a softball game last uh. week. <laughs> yeah, so I get the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> and I was safe, by the way. I made it. It's fine. Team one. It was awesome. Was that the first? That was restoration softball, right? Yeah, it was the second game of the season that we've won two in a nice. row. First game I've been to, they get a game Thursday night this week, Thursday and Friday next week, but Friday I think is the next game I can go to. Nice. Is that team all filled up or are people still signing up? I mean, people probably would be helpful if you could sign up, especially if you're good. <laughs> Commercial. Uh, we play with nine. So you can have 10 people on the field. Okay. We, we played with nine, so we were a player short. Gotcha. And you like to have, um, you like to have eleven because if someone 
pulls a hamstring or right. gets injured. Like once you're into the 35 plus year old players, you never, you never know what's going to happen. Well, usually not people age. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how many are older than 35. So I'm the second oldest guy in the team. Okay. I just remember talking to uh, Steve Baldiga. He said he, he plays like he's still 20. And then every day after a game, his body's like, I need to remind you, you are not 20. <laughs> he, he's the oldest guy on the team. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but yeah. This year anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. So you had um, you had this week in the, the God I Created, we went through the golden calf story. Um, there are a couple of things that you brought up that I, I really liked. Um, the one which, which will kind of skip back and forth, but when you were going towards the end, talking about the people trying to lean into a leader that will, that will just kind of go with them and make them happy. I loved that point. I think that was, um, that was something I, I probably wouldn't have gotten out of the text. And so when you started going through, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I just, I like the way you rolled this around, but like what, what was your, uh, what was your process writing through that, through this, through this week? How did you go through it? Um, so I, I for, through the series and I think I talked about it last week with Charlotte and Tammy, yep. but it's thinking through. So it's not just what they did, but what do we do? That's an equivalent. Yeah. So Adam and Eve is pretty easy. We make ourselves God. Well, it looks beautiful. I think it'll make me happy. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I don't, I don't, I don't really think God meant that when he said it. And uh, so this week was a little bit harder because in, for the majority of our white audience, they've never had um, a golden image. Right. They've ne probably never even really seen one. Yep. Other than like at a Chinese restaurant, they think that's there for decoration. Right. And I'm yeah. probably for a few there are it's just decoration, but no, there are really people who Right. Who worship those yeah, images. We're not, we're not melting down jewelry in an act right. of worship to random things. So knowing that our crowd now is far more diverse than ever in our church's history. There are probably, there are people who are worshiping, trying to worship God, uppercase G, and still worship God, lowercase G. Yeah. Um, and they're trying, they're, and they're, they're kind of stuck between that. But also want to speak to the rest of the crowd. Grew up in a Christian home, or at least in Christian culture. Don't really see it. Never really tempted to do it. Right what are the gods that we do? So, yeah. Or, or that we make. Yeah. That's so that was just dissecting this passage of scripture and, and trying to make that correlation. Thank you. Nope. Siri wants to be in the podcast. Um, <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah, I liked, um, I, I liked how you were talking through. So like you kind of hit on what the next week ish will be that's the give us a king and so you, you i feel like you tied in the entire series like you're kind of leading through the journey like it went to the golden calf but then even going in to introducing them looking for something else not wanting to trust god 
the part of this one, I don't remember where I heard it, like this story and the thought of, um, and I had even told you about it, the thought of the golden calf, like everyone but but Aaron is just like, give us a God, we can worship. And it feels like in this one that Aaron's trying to do what they want and still honor God at the same time. Like he makes them their God, but then he's like, look, it's the God that led you out of Egypt. Like he's still trying to reference. It's like, he's trying to bring them back, but also still compromising. Yeah. Which I feel like is something we do quite Mm -hmm. a bit. Like, all right. You know, and you even mentioned it, like, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Well, you know, know, and, and we kind of, we want to say yes, but we're going to try and compromise enough to almost like that's our tactic of leading people closer to, to God. Yeah. The, I remember um, my, in high school, my honors English teacher, Adam for a couple of years. And we had, we, we went back, me and my, two of my friends to, um, to be like guests in um, his philosophy class. Oh, okay. So we'd bring in people from different religions. So the three of us went in on behalf of Christianity. So we were former students. We were maybe a year or two older than the kids in the class. Oh, wow. So it might've been my sophomore year in college. We yep. went back. Okay. And um, he was a organist worship leader, both combo at a local church here in Stratford County. You know, obviously organist, a different right style of music, but he is the paid organist, Christian leader, worship leader at a church. And the conversation is about heaven and hell, Jesus being the only way. And that just winds people up. Yeah. This was the person you were sitting with? uh, Well, this is the class of students. That's the honors honors English class with the, with the worship leader. So you feel like he's an ally. And so the class starts getting wound up about, about you're telling me Jesus is the only way people can go to heaven. Yeah. How dare you? Like yeah. Yeah, essentially like wow. people are like, how could you even think that? And all that's question. And so the worship leader, I, yeah, the worship leader teacher says, I just don't, I, and he's kind of, <laughs> he's still alive. So I want to be careful, but he, he's like, well, I don't believe, I don't believe that, you, you know, how arrogant to say Jesus only. And I'm like, it's just shocked. Like this guy's a worship leader. I thought he was on our side. He's yeah. not on our side. No. And it was wide open to me. So then my response back to the whole class is, listen, a lot of these religions, they don't believe they're going to heaven. So why should I believe they're going to heaven? And like the light bulb went off <laughs> in everybody's heads. And uh, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. They don't believe in heaven. So why is it offensive yeah. for Nate not to believe that they don't believe they're going to heaven either. That is. And so it kind of shut down point. the room. Yeah. And then I remember, I don't, I, if I looked in a yearbook, I, re- I remember his face, but I don't remember his name. He said, why should God force you to go to heaven when you say, I hate your son, I don't want to follow him? Why would God at that point still let you go to heaven? So this is the unsaved kid in the room. Yeah. And then the conversation shifted. Wow. Uh, but I kind of, anytime I talk about Jesus being the only way to heaven, 
I always think of that conversation. It is replaying in my head as a motion picture yeah. while I talk about it. That's cool. That's a great way to turn that around. I've honestly never, um, I've never thought through that. Like why, why would we compromise the path when like the final destination isn't even what people are searching through? Like people being mad, well, this, you know, whatever, this atheist gave to nonprofits. They did all this stuff. You're saying they can't go. It's like, they doesn't want to be there. <laughs> think about like, a, <laughs> you know? think about a Muslim extremist. Yeah. You will kill yourself in the name of Allah. Come on, stupid watch. You will, I don't understand either. You will, kill your, you will kill yourself in the name of Allah. When you do, you will wake up on the other side of that bomb surrounded by a hundred virgins. And so you kill yourself as an extremist. You wake up on the other side and there's Jesus. Here, here's your mansion. You're like, where's all the virgins? No, there's no virgins here. Are you kidding me? This is not <laughs> I, what I died for. I did all Why this? would you send me here? This is not what I want. Yeah. And like how, if you don't want to be there, you don't want to be there. Yeah. And so why would, why would God force you to be there? Yeah. And it's just part of the, part of the argument, like to make us look bad, but God is not sending. I and mean, that's the other part that I said on Sunday. I just don't think God's sending anyone to hell. We are all making that choice and decision. Right. And the the other part of it goes, well, what about the people who never heard? And I honestly think there's very few people who've never heard. Yeah. When the world knew itself as Europe, Asia, and Africa, obviously there's two other continents of people, maybe three, depending on what your beliefs are of Antarctica, whether it was frozen <laughs> over at that point, because maybe that's where Eden is. <laughs> that's it. Um, but there's two other continents and we think like for, th for thousands and thousands of years, God just ignored them. Uh, you know, he shows up to Abraham out of the blue. He shows up to Paul really kind of out of the blue. Yeah. All these times in the Old Testament, we said the angel of the Lord showed up. You think he wasn't doing that in these other cultures? Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, I think if you study it, and I, and I haven't studied this in so long, but there are um, references to the flood, like in almost every culture. Yeah. Yep. So how do they know about the flood if they all died? Yeah. Well, could it be that an angel of the Lord was showing up and teaching them about yeah. him? Yeah, um, I've seen that where all these different cultures have a really close account of the same type of thing of the flood story. Yeah. And even, yeah. So this is some of my thoughts on that. I think God is a lot more strategic about yeah. reaching Native Americans and the Mayans and the Incans and Incas yeah. and, and the Inuit than we give them credit for. I think that's like, God was not surprised when Columbus found, how did, <laughs> how did that get there? I did. I didn't know I owned this. <laughs> it's like $10 you find in your wallet. <laughs> oh, I forgot cool. I made this half. They think God was a flat earther. He forgot about the other side, <laughs> but I think you bring up a, an interesting 
thing. It's not really to this series, but what you're talking through. I feel like we fall into a trap of thinking if it's not recorded in scripture, then God must not have done anything. Like we view scripture as like, that's the only thing God did in that timeline, which is, which is actually really cool to think about how much we don't get to see and how much like more God is orchestrating. Well, even in the new Testament example, the apostle John writes, if we were to write down all of the things that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the world to contain it. Yeah. And when we think about how amazing Jesus is and all the miracles we've read, those we, are only the ones that they, they, could, they could put fit. down on paper before they got writer's cramp. <laughs> right. You know, because it was healing after healing after he, you know, they, they go and Jesus went to town and everybody was healed. Like, uh, how are we going to write up? Just write everybody was healed. Right. Because there's way there's too much too to stories. write. Um, and that was three and a half years of ministry. What has he been doing over the last three millennia? Yeah. Well, he's been doing, he's been nonstop. Yeah. And I don't think he neglected any continent or any people group. Yeah. Because he was focused only. And you, and you, you see it in another place. The only people in the Old Testament who came to know who came to follow God, they weren't all just Jewish people or Hebrew people or Israelite people. So Uriah, the Hittite, Moses's wife was an African. Yep. Um, and so salvation is being spread. Yeah. And then every time the Jewish people were scattered because of persecution, the name of God was spread. Yeah. So That's awesome. I just think, I just, God loves us. Yeah. And I think he's, He's after us. I think that's really, it's just a cool mindset to have. And it makes me, uh, you know, we think through even, even now, cause we're not, we're still not recording as like scripture is of the miracles that even we're seeing. And so to, to say like, Oh, this book that's recorded is the end. all be all like, that's all that happened, which I feel like we fall into that trap. It really kind of diminishes how much God is moving. So I like, I like that. I've never had to get into that type of argument uh, because I just haven't put myself into, <laughs> into a situation where I don't know if I could do that. Like, Hey, go to this classroom where no one believes this and, and talk through it. But now I feel more, so more prepared though. Those conversations again, like if you don't know the answer, you don't know the answer. Don't try to act right. smarter than you are, but preach the good news. Right. So even if they ask a question like, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, that's the, the, good one. the thing that I always spin that back to because I don't really have a good answer to that. And anytime I really try to answer that, the, the people end up hating my guts and not talking to me anymore. <laughs> For whatever reason, I don't, I don't know. I thought I was being compassionate and kind. <laughs> um, but the thing, and, I, and you've heard me say this in my preaching too, Bad things are a reminder that this is not our home. We don't belong here. And when something tragic happens, just be grateful and thankful that there's a life after this one where tragedy won't happen anymore. Yep. This is not our final resting place. This is just a a vapor. Yeah. A water vapor, a mist compared to the eternity. Which I, I feel like that comes from, again, another compromise of our of our faith, like trying to trying to almost over promise what Christianity is the idea of like, Oh, if you're a Christian, like 
God carries you everywhere. You don't have problems. You don't have this. And like, that's what's being put out. And so that's why I think a lot more people have that problem with like, oh, well, you know, this person's good. You're telling me because they don't believe in God. That's why their, their daughter died when they were, when they were a baby. It's like, well, Christians daughters have died as well. Like, and I feel like it's a false thing right. to try and push like, Hey, follow Jesus. Your life will be perfect. Um, and that just, that just falls into like an added, like false belief that people think we believe that. Right. And if you're in it, in the, the vice versa, if you're, if you, um, if you're bad, if you're a bad person, only bad things will happen to you. Mm. And that's not true either. Right. Um, not true. That's like our sibling rivalry rivalry coming out, right? Because God loves everyone equally. Good things can still happen because God still Yeah, God can God chooses to bless whoever he wants to right. bless. And I feel like we're just bad like that's the the younger sibling, middle child syndrome of like, well, hang on. But I did all my chores and they didn't. Right. Why are you doing anything nice for them? And like for some reason we don't want to. Um, <laughs> that's my stomach. Um, let's, I, I want to talk through a little bit. Um, kind of the, that, the point that I've, that I brought up already when you were talking through finding, finding a leader that says everything you want them to say. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that happen a lot? Do you feel like you get a lot of conversations where people are like, Hey, you, uh, you know, you're teaching this. I know it's in the Bible, but I don't like it. So I found another church or like, do you deal with that quite a bit? You don't have as many conversations about it. People right. just leave and leave and switch. So if we talk about Jesus being the only way to heaven, so you've got other churches here in Dover. Certainly you have it in Plymouth. I don't know about Milton's landscape as much, mm-hmm. but you can go to churches that open the Bible, sing songs about God, but don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Yeah. So people just begin to switch. Uh, another common one is the Holy Spirit. All right. So you can read about the Holy Spirit all throughout the Bible, read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit all throughout the New Testament. And when people find out that we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they just quietly find a church that doesn't ever talk about that. Yeah. So it makes me uncomfortable when you talk about the Holy Spirit. So I'm just gonna go I'm to going a to church leave. that never talks about it. Yeah. Well, you certainly you can do that, but you you end up missing out. Why I don't understand why we'd ever want to miss out on one of the good things right. that God has for us. If we see it in scripture, why can't we believe? And, see it now. and I would say even forgiveness is one of those. Like, I just don't can't even believe that God would forgive me of my past. So I'm going to go to a church that makes me work have to it. work for it, earn it. So I have to do all these certain prayers, go to these certain meetings, do yeah. just because I have to earn, I have to make up for the bad things I've done. And I'll even, and I, and I feel like I heard a conversation that they don't believe in purgatory anymore, but that even... Once I die, I'll still earn it then. That makes me feel better yeah. about the wrong things I've done. So rather than just letting God forgive me and get me off the hook, I still got I don't want to believe that I'll go to a church that's not gonna make me believe that God is something really good for me. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> and then and then obviously with other cultural things, 
Um, I don't want to go to a church that won't. Um, I I want to go to a church that will af- that will um, promote my candidate, my political candidate. Yeah. So you're not going to do that. I'm going to leave, and that's on both sides. Yeah. You need to you you, <laughs> you need to speak against Trump, or you need to speak for Trump. You need to speak against Biden, or you need to speak for Biden. Yeah. Well, we're not going to do either of those. Okay, I'm going to go find the church that will do that. That will. And you can. Pretty easy. I um, remember uh, Francis Chan, I think, he talked about he had a missions trip to see um, kind of the smaller house churches in China, I think he was going around. And they asked him, like, hey, what are the, what's church like in America since you can have it? Like, since it's a thing that, that you can have without the government trying to kill you what is it like and he obviously i don't know if if you don't follow francis chan you don't know but he's not a huge fan of of america like christianity he doesn't really love that culture he's trying to to break it a little bit and so he talked through like oh you know it's pretty interesting like you know people have left my church because they don't like my preaching or they don't like the songs we're singing and the the church in china he was talking to like laughed they thought he was joking and he's like no no really like they have done that. And they're like, how? Like that doesn't make sense. And it was like, it's not an option in other areas, but it's scary how much you can kind of shop for your faith right. a little. You yeah. can really shop through. And I've always talked through with people when they say, uh, oh, you know, restoration isn't really my style. I always tell them, I'm like, oh, you should never get on board with a style. You should just figure out what mission you can be a part of. Like right. what mission can you get on board with? And who do you think you're uniquely called to reach? Does that align with the church you're looking at? And are they preaching the Bible? That's what you should pick. Right. You know, like, so I always talk through like, whatever, if rap worship takes over, I'm going to have to figure out who's going to lead on Sunday. Cause I'm going to have to just play piano in the back. Cause I can't do that, but it's not the style that I care about. It's, it's the mission behind it. Right. And trying to cast that to people, I feel like is really hard because, you know, it's easy to shop around, but it's like, that's, it's so backwards to me, you know? And, and I get it. It's different for me. I've, I've been saved at one church. So you tell stories of other churches and I'm always like, really that happens. <laughs> like, you know, and I hear stories from other people and, but I kind of fell in love with Jesus and the mission and right. I feel like I, I don't really care what I see as long as we're still preaching the gospel and we still have a mission. And that's what I think people really need to get on board with over preference or, you know, all those different things. But yeah, those conversations are, it's just interesting to me. It's an interesting mindset that people can have, you know? I And I think that's the big, I think that's a hard thing right now, right? So it's the, it's a huge pressure on me to change. Yeah. And then every time I take a stand, it affects location pastors <laughs> because, you know, you've got people that have been coming and um, part of your locations. And then I see something from the pulpit and they, this is not the church for me and they leave. And um, so there's a, a little bit of a pressure on that, but right. we, We've got to lead people into freedom. Yeah. One of the issues, one of the cultural issues is on 
sexuality. And the challenge is, well, I am just so glad Restoration Church doesn't believe that that's sin. I'm like, well, no, well, we do believe that it's sin. Yeah. And then there's like horror and anger. How could you, why would you even believe that? Well, we believe that God is a good God and everything he has for us is better. And, and if something's sin, even if we like that sin, we have to trust God with every area of our life. Right. And, well, how can you tell people they're wrong? Well, we don't really tell people where they're wrong. Right. And that's a whole different way of approaching it. But what we're doing is saying, here's what scripture says. And anytime anybody's been willing to have a conversation with us about that, we've been cordial and gracious and kind, and we've never told people what to do with their life. Yeah. We just said, here's what scripture says. Some point down the line, God's going to ask you, we believe he's going to ask you to lay this, to trust him with this area of your life. Right. When he does, what will you do? You're going to keep following him or you're going to not follow him. That will be the choice you make. We can't make it for you. And lots of amazing testimonies of people getting to that place in their life. Yeah. And choosing to follow Jesus and being grateful and glad that they did it. Yeah. Lots of stories about people getting to that point in their life and saying, nah, I don't want to. And I've had those conversations with people. I really love this part of my life. So not, no, I'm, yeah. I'm going to just, at this point, I'm going to disengage from church and Jesus. Sure. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't, we don't hate them. We don't point the finger at them. Right. It's just, but if God's creator of heaven and earth, then every part, you know, every part of our life is yielded to him. Yeah. And we trust him with every part of it. Do you think, do you think we like lean too much on, and I don't mean we as restoration, just like, I don't know, maybe people think we lean more on, hey, follow God. Here's everything you can't do. Like heavier than like your approach sounds a lot more. It's a lot more freedom based. Like it's it always sounds like a better option when you're explaining it. But I feel like most people think, oh, if I become a Christian, here's everything. I just I give up my rights. I give up all these things. And I think you talked about that, too, in like week one a little bit. So. There is a pendulum swing. The pendulum swing. You've got what you just described. Here's everything you can't do anymore. Yeah. Which I think is a really, I think is helpful. Right. Jesus says, "Pick up your cross and follow me." Oh, pick up your cross means you're going to die to your old life. Yeah. You you just death to everything in your past. Follow me. Make yeah. the choice. I think that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but. It's a, it's a hard, yeah. a hard thing. And, you know, even with his disciples, like follow me, but there was still a lot of growth and things that he was revealing to them over time that right. had to change. So there, there does, I think when we try to do that, we try to point out all those things for them. Yeah. And God doesn't really lay all those things out for them. Yeah. And we tend to add a bunch of things too in history. The other part of it, the other pendulum swing is we don't ever talk about anything. Right. We're not going to tell any, hey, you're good just the way you are. Just check this box on this piece of paper. You're a follower of Jesus. Perfect. Awesome. Good. Yep. We'll water baptize you too. You get a free t-shirt. 
<laughs> and good, awesome, cool. And there's no right push to ever grow, grow or talk about what sin. And so someone can live in sin, habitual sin their entire life and never feel bad. And about never it. feel bad about it. Yep. Never know about it. So, um, you, you know, there's that scripture, anyone, which I think we talked about on the podcast too, but anyone who says, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, like I know. Yeah. Um, and it'll be confusing for them. Like, wait a minute, but I went to church and I had a pastor right. and I was water baptized. Look at my t-shirt. See, it says right here. <laughs> um, and they're like, well, you had multiple wives. Right. Well, no one told me that was wrong. Well, why didn't they? <laughs> and, and part of it is like the Holy Spirit's going to speak to people too. Yep. So you don't, you don't just address everybody's sin and, but there's times you have to, I don't know. It's so confusing. It's so hard to be a pastor. (laughs) Let me tell you that. Well, it's important. It's important too, because like, I feel like the Holy spirit, cause right. God's entire thing is he wants to be with people. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to do all the work because he likes people with him and doing work with him. So I feel like you want a healthy, almost tag team. You need to talk through the things that God wants us to stay away from. Um, um, uh, this is how I feel at least almost blanket statement. Like, Hey, here's something. And that helps because now you're not looking at a person saying, Hey, by the way, your sin, your individual sin, I have a problem with. You're just like, Hey, this is not something God wants for us. And then the Holy spirit, like almost can tag team and go to that person and be like, Hey, that's, that's for you. Like you, you should know. And I feel like there is this, like the balance you need to have. You, you can't go out in the streets and yell condemnation to people because then you're trying to do, like your job and the Holy Spirit's job, like I'm going to con- like, right. you will feel convicted from my words. And that's not really what we're supposed to be doing. And so I think you always strike that balance of, I will address the sin. I'm not going to, I'm not going to point people out. And most of the time, if you feel like you've written a message and like the week before you had a conversation, I feel like you always state it from the stage. Like this was written three weeks ago. So anyone I've spoken to this week, yeah, I do do that. Uh, you know, like just and so you you even really set it to that to that idea of like bridging that balance. But yeah, that is hard because you don't want to be like condemnation heavy, rule heavy, but you don't want to be a hippie. You don't want to be a you know what I mean. Like <laughs> it's all good, it, it man. Seems, and, and, and to you, like as a pastor, you have names and faces attached. Right. To these conversations. Yep. So I think about the teenager that maybe I addressed the sin issue too early and now they, they, they stopped coming. Yeah. I think about the young adult guy who maybe I never addressed the sin issue and they no longer come. So it's like on yeah. both sides of it. This person I talked to too soon, they never, they don't come anymore. This person I never talked to about this one issue, they don't come anymore. This person, I felt like I did everything right, they don't come anymore. Yeah. And it just feels like no matter what I do, no matter which approach, people are going to leave. And yeah. I don't know, that's hard. You just want to, you just want to help people love Jesus and follow right. Jesus and never be the reason people walk away from him. Right. And, those days when you feel like you're the reason someone rejected Jesus because of something I did. Yeah. I 
man, that is a that is just a horrific weight. Yeah. I always and I think when we were talking after church last week, the the golden calf story and like and even a lot of stuff you're talking about, I I always reference from the movie Talladega Nights, the Ricky Bobby story, when they're at the dinner table fighting over their prayers. They're all they're all trying to pray to Jesus, but they all have a different variation of him. And so just thinking through like the people who are like, oh, you know, I got to work for it. I Jesus is real, but I'm going to pray through Mary to talk to him, to talk to God or whatever. And they all, everyone has a different variation. And um, I think we're more on the, on the trend of not us as a church, but as a culture, like we're more on the trend of the guys like, I like my Jesus to wear a tuxedo t-shirt. Because it shows like I take things a little serious, but I'm really here to party. Right. And that whole idea, I always feel like I I'm, I wish that movie was still relevant because it would be a good illustration, but it's an old older movie. But I remember like, I thought that was really funny before I was a Christian. And then I like rewatch the movie. I'm like, oh man, this hits a little too real. Yeah. Hearing them be like, hey, listen, tomorrow you can pray to your Jesus tonight. Let me pray to mine. It's a baby in golden diapers. Like... And that's just like they have their own version. And then I I had heard someone teaching through like what Aaron's trying to do is say like, here's a version of God that's approachable. You're used to this. Right. Um, because, and you even mentioned like this mountain version that looks like a storm that Moses keeps disappearing into is scary. Like that's not approachable for you. And so yeah. let, here's one that feels approachable. Well, so it's the same thing. Um, uh, Holy Spirit, God is too scary. Yeah. So I want to do just the tame Baptist version yeah. of God. And no offense to the Baptist, but hey, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we, we and not every Baptist church is like that. But uh, yeah, the stereotypical like we don't even mention his name. It's Jesus. Yeah. God the Father. That's it. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. That's too freaky. Haven't you ever seen the 2020 episode on that? It's too freaky. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to have anything to do with any parts of God that scare me. Yeah. And that's it. I just want the safe. I want one I can understand. I, I need to understand it. Yeah. Or else I don't like it. Like that. Which is kind of scary to have that approach to to it. Because also like like you, you're never going to understand it, right? Because like we can't speak and create things. We can't speak and right. create life, nor can we figure out how to do it. We've nor had- can we even understand, all right, the, God is uncreated. Father, yeah. Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. The Trinity, one God <laughs> in three persons, one singular being yeah. in three singular beings is uncreated. Yeah. Existed before time, created time, will exist after time. Right. Never, be, no beginning, no end. <laughs> so is speaking in tongues really the most unapproachable part of, of anything you've just said? Like the Holy Spirit wanting to literally dwell inside a believer. Is that really the scariest part? I just can't what follow just God said? because that's so stupid. The Trinity. One God, I, I can't even understand that. I'm going to reject him. So what are you going to replace him with? the God you want at Chuck E. Cheese? 
<laughs> you want really the God, your God, the one that the best suits you is the one that you have all the answers for and the one that you can figure out. Yeah. I want a God that I can beat at chess. That's the God that I want. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, what? I don't, I most of the time don't know what I'm doing. I'd like a God that knows for me, right. That I can consult to like, that's, that's my thought process is like, I want a God. I can't understand fully because it means he can keep revealing to me. Like <laughs> one of my boys asked me in the car yesterday, um, when we were driving their friend home, um, why based on the sermon series, why did God create Adam and Eve? If he knew they were going to sin, why did God create the angels? If they knew they were going to turn against him and, uh, good questions to ask, but really no good answers to right. that. So you kind of have, well, God loved us. So he, whatever. And, and going through the different trains of thought on all of that. But again, like we, we don't have to go into everything we talked about with them, but to connect it to what you just said. Yeah. God is mysterious. He's complex. Yeah. He's lightning and clouds and thunder on top of a mountain. That's him. You, you know, before he put on flesh, and became one of us. Like that's part of the mystery and the power of right. God. And that's why we worship him. We don't know all those answers. Right. We'll never know all those answers. And if you've got an answer that makes sense, I mean, maybe it's the wrong answer. Right. Um, but that's part of the amazement that that God who was on the mountain with Moses, that God who spoke and created the heavens and the earth, created a universe that is still creating, yeah. right? It's an ever expanding universe. Yeah. So his one word, let there be heavens and earth, it's still ongoing. It's still like echoing. It's like still, I was, yeah. I that thought. That guy, that powerful, immutable, amazing being one day in Barrington, New Hampshire said, Hey, Nate Gagney, I love you. And it changed my whole life. Yeah. I can't even believe that he knows me. Yeah. I want to, I, that's the God we preach. Yeah. That's the God we want to introduce people to. Not some golden calf on the bottom of a, of a mountain. Right. That's something that looks familiar in the culture, like something that looks like what we're used to. Eventually culture is going to hate our guts. You know what, what would they've done to Moses if he didn't make that golden calf? And it might've just killed him. Right. It certainly happened to the, to 11 of the disciples or 10 of the disciples. And then, uh, yeah. and then Paul and on and on and on how many people lost their life Yeah, because they didn't give in to culture. That may be our decision, mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give culture a God that they, they want. Right. I'm gonna let God be who He is. Yeah. And try to preach Jesus crucified to um to those who will hear and listen. That's so good. That's awesome. And the last thing you talk through, which we we could talk through even more and then we can get into book recommendations, but you talk through like, how do you know if you have a golden calf? 
And uh, even just in our our Dover staff meeting, we there were conversations that I feel like people still can get confused. I won't get into details because people we all know. <laughs> um, but it was just like a hey, I'm you know I I have this thing, and you know people are like you know that could be an idol, and they're like uh I don't think so. And so I feel like we could still talk through like how do you know if you have a golden calf? What does that mean? And I. I have a bad answer that I just gave that felt like it made sense in the moment, but but you could probably do it better. I talked through like, so this, the individual thing was, you know, wanting to, wanting to please people and Hey, you know, just wanting to please people that can be a golden calf. And I was, and I was like, I don't think so. I think unless you're trying to please people who are like, Hey, do you want to come sacrifice a pig to Satan? And they're like, well, I feel bad. So I'm, I'm just going to compromise. Like, I feel like a, a golden calf again would, it's anything that would compromise who God is and what he has for you. It's something that you would put over what you know God has for you. It's what gets your worship. It's right. what has your heart. So you can sin, you can be in sin and it not have your worship. So the television phone illustration from last week. Right. And so it's taken up eight hours of your day. You're neglecting God, but you're not worshiping your phone. You're just sinning in idleness and laziness food. You can overeat, Yep. you know, debut on my thousand pound life <laughs> and be the first person and have a gluttony sin issue and not have a worship issue. Like you can still right. be worshiping Jesus while you're sinning. Right. And you know, so you can be looking at pornography and still be worshiping Jesus. Yep. You can be um, getting drunk and still worshiping Jesus. Yep. So a sin issue is not always an idolatry issue. Yeah. Idolatry is, it, it's what has your heart. Yeah. And we tend to minimize idolatry. So things tend to have our heart actually more often than they don't. And we think, ah, I'm just sinning. I'll ask Jesus to forgive me. But really, no, you have an idolatry issue. Yeah. You, you, you worship pleasure. You're worshiping comfort. You're worshiping success. So the question this week is, what are you giving the credit to? Mm. Oh, this golden calf has brought me out of Egypt. No, that was God. Yeah. So, um, we're not recognizing our education as our idol, yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. giving it all of our success. We're giving it all of our praise. Yep. Um, if you, if you're a single guy and a girl goes on a date with you and you give the credit to your car, <laughs> all right. Yeah. It was my new sports car. <laughs> you know, yeah. they got her to talk with me and, and maybe that's I mean, that could be true, but you're giving success. You're not giving yeah, God the praise for the good things happening in your life on the positive end. Because I think we we probably have more positive idols than we have negative yep. examples. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that puts it in a better perspective. Like the idea of valuing, oh, my, my work ethic is what helps me move through this company. It's the right. only thing. It's my personality, my work ethic. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're also a Christian. Maybe God is helping you have influence because you can share his, his message, you know? 
I give, I try to give God credit for everything. So when, when uh, heating oil prices dipped, <laughs> like, you, I don't know how many years ago, 2014, they were like 379 a gallon or something like that. Yeah. So they're higher than that now. But we began giving to kingdom builders, Michelle and I at a high level. And then oil prices, he, heating oil prices went down to like a dollar seventy nine. Yeah. And I was like, because we tithe. You know, yeah, because yeah. we gave, yep. we obeyed God. And so he changed the whole economy for our family. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to give him the credit for that. People are like, you're so stupid. That's silly. Like, well, what's the other, I'm right. going to give the president credit for? Well, I'm sorry. The president <laughs> is not my, like, yeah. I'm not going to give him the credit. Yeah. And then even if I am going to give him the credit, then I'll give God the credit above that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was him. Thank God put him there to make that decision. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. It almost, it always can elevate to let's praise God for the, for the situation that it's so I've, happening. In. I've sat and I've been privileged to be invited to some meetings and sit at some tables that I never should have gotten. I never should have been at. Yeah. So this year, and, and I'm realizing more people don't know who he is than actually know who he is. But there's a famous author, John Maxwell, who's yeah. written 30, 40 books, maybe. So many of them bestsellers. Yeah. Um, I had dinner in his home this year. And there was about 30 or 40 other people there. But I was in his house. Yeah. It's pretty I crazy. shook hands with his wife. He put his arm on my shoulder. I, he, he signed a Bible the John Maxwell leadership Bible and gave me a copy of it. I was sitting in his backyard and it wasn't like, Oh my word, I've arrived. Like what yeah. a leader I am. Like the church should know, like I'm a high quality leader. Like none of that's going through <laughs> my head. Right. Because I know I don't, there's, I don't deserve to be at that table. Yeah. I don't deserve to be in that meeting. How did I get there? My prayer was, God, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. Thank you so much for the privilege of being able to hear him speak. And thank you so much. And I do that, you know, I'm assistant superintendent. So I end up at, in in August, I'll be at General Presbytery, which is like the board for the Assemblies of God. So mm. 13,000 churches, and I'm sitting in a room of three to 400 people making decisions for those 13,000 people, 13,000 churches. Well, it's not because I've risen the ranks. Yeah. You know, I've done my duty. I've, I've been successful. No, it's because God decided to put me in those places. Yeah. And so even when the meeting's really, really boring and I'm fighting to stay awake, it's God, thank you so much <laughs> for the privilege. Like I don't deserve to be here. I didn't yeah. do enough to get here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And um, I just, if you're a great athlete and you hit a five home run game, God, thank you for giving me the hand-eye coordination to be able to do this. You're brilliant. You can memorize math equations. God, thank you for giving me the understanding to do that. I realize not everybody you've given that ability to. Yeah. And it doesn't become an idol. I think that not only that, but it keeps you, it keeps you really humble too. Right. There's a lot that happens there. Like Haley, Haley and I were talking through like, you know, we've seen so many different 
preachers and pastors, they're working in the ministry and even like, you know, calling to the name of Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, I don't know you. And the whole idea of like, how can you, how can you serve God and then still turn so harshly against him and like do these things? Like you can, how can you have such a disconnect between what you're preaching and what you're living? Like that whole idea. And, you know, we just kind of talked through like, I think one of the scariest ways is to lean on like your gift set. Like that's what's getting you there. Right. You know, like, so your whole idea, like, man, I'm such a good leader. I was invited to this. And now all of a sudden you're not seeing the grace of God. You're not seeing how God is moving right. in your life because you're just looking at, at what you, what you think you've accomplished through it. I feel like that's gotta be a big downfall. Like the whole idea of like, I'm in the, you know, I'm a location pastor because my charisma gets me there. Right. I'm a location pastor because I, whatever, insert whatever thing I might want to say. And the whole idea of like what you're talking through, like I'm always, I'm always trying to think through like, I have no right to do this. Um, and God is carrying me through, through all of it. And I feel like, I don't know if you've ever like people talking through, um, what has your, what has your attention is like what you see more. And you think like, if you're going to shop for a new car, you look at the car you want to buy all of a sudden on the road everywhere, you see that car. Yeah. That's your reticulator activator system. Oh, your RAS are. is part of your brain. Yeah. And so the whole idea of like, if you're looking for how God is blessing you, all of a sudden you see it. You see it all the everywhere. Time. If you're looking for how you're accomplishing things, like you can see that too, but that can only get you so far, you know? And, and so I like, I think that's a challenge for people. I don't know if we've talked about, did we talk about positions recently, but you end up defending your position, your title. Um, but if you're, if God is the one who's given you everything, then if he takes it away or you lose it, you're not in an identity crisis. Yeah. If you're the world's yeah. greatest pianist and then you lose five of your fingers in an accident, you're not like, what am I going to do now? What am I? Who what am, am I? I? Who am I? No, it's like, all right, God, you gave me that ability and now you're moving me into a new season. Yeah. What are you going to have me do now? Yeah. Um, if you're, yeah, if, you know, I'm assistant superintendent. And if I'm not in a month from now, what am I? Well, I'm whatever God puts me in next. Yeah. So is he make me a, a circle leader for the teenagers? Does he make me a substitute teacher? Does yeah. he make me whatever he does? Like, okay, what's your assignment for me now? And I don't, I'm not climbing a ladder. I'm just sitting in and faithfully serving in whatever chair he puts me in. Yeah. And if he decides to place me in front of kings, as he as he did for a lot of the apostles, well, cool, let's get to work. Right. If he decides to place me in front of paupers, then cool, let's get to work. Let me let me serve them and serve them well. That's awesome. I love that. That's um I don't know. You, you taught me just now, just thinking through like trying to, in every situation, I want to give, how do I give God credit? I think that's a mindset that I probably do with some things, but I love, I think that really does show where your success comes from. Cause 
whether you'll say it or not, I think you are very successful in the things that you do for God. And you can clearly see like that you see yourself move through different things. And I think that heart behind what you have is almost, it's kind of the reason why God's like, all right, he knows who the glory belongs to so I can move him through. And so I just think that's something that we all should do a lot better at. If your car won't start and then all of a sudden it does, you just quickly, oh man, thank God he made that motor turn over. Like, thank, like those little things that, that make it happen. But on the negative side of it, if I, <laughs> if I have a family member and they're like, oh my God, I'm like, what are you praying about? Like, just... <laughs> Just trying to correct that too. Like, <laughs> what are you unless about? we're praying, that wouldn't be an appropriate thing to be saying right now. <laughs> so you better quickly turn that into a prayer. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Finish it. Pray. Do you have any um any book recommendations or anything? Um, any pot? Oh, someone had asked if because we only post once a week. They were asking if we ever had podcast recommendations to also supplement throughout the week. Other podcast so recommendations. So um, uh, on an issue of culture, I, a book I would not recommend for everybody. All right. Um, but um, Preston Sprinkle, is that his last name? Is that right? I don't know. It sounds awesome. Preston Sprinkle. People to be loved is the name of the book. Oh, okay. Yeah, People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. Um, so I'm trying to remember what the subtitle is. But um, he, he reads his own audio book. So, which is where I don't think I've finished it yet, but the subtitle is why homosexuality is not just an issue. So he, I, you know, there's some theological books that we could talk through. He, he doesn't come at it. I mean, he is talking through it theologically, but he's talking a lot about history and, um, and he's not just telling people that, they're wrong, yep. which I think if you're coming from an area, you just don't want to tell people they're wrong. That's a good book to reevaluate. No, these yeah. are people to be loved like any other people group. Yep. The way I, you know, um, so I think that anyway, that's a, a book because we're talking about culture Yep. and I want a leader. I oh. recently read, I, I think it ties in well with the idea of, um, shaping God into something a little more palatable. Like you put God in a, in a, in a place that makes more sense. Um, it's by Dan Kimball, how not to read the Bible. And he address, he tries to address every thing that's scrutinized in the Bible, in the old Testament and different things where they're like, man, your religion's crazy because of this. And he goes through a lot of how you should be reading your Bible to help make those things make sense. So at least you don't walk away from God for stupid reasons of like, you didn't understand the law and why half the law existed. And you didn't understand why, you know, Oh, you can't be a Christian. Paul hates women. 
and just like blanket statement, different things. And, and he goes through and he addresses like really specific ones. And I thought that was really cool because it helped me not like, it, it helped me work through if someone has that issue. Like, Hey, I have a problem with your religion because of this. I always, if I don't know the answer, I'm like, well, let, maybe we should research some context and like, we should look up what was happening in his culture. And so I liked that book a lot. I think that would help people who find themselves, they might be in the same type of conversation that you were in with that school, like where people are just ripping apart, whatever, you know, different laws of pigskin and all that. I think that would be really good. Obviously, if you don't know who he is, the John Maxwell leadership podcast is great. Oh, there's a few, actually there's a few, they've got a few different podcasts. Oh, yeah, he has a network. Yeah. Uh, but there is one, yeah, the John, I think it's titled that John yep. Maxwell leadership podcast, yep. um, which does like a 15 minute part of one of his teachings. And then, um, and then the new CEO, Mark Cole and, and a, another person from the organization that switches mm-hmm. out, they talk through that. Another Bible, another book, misreading scripture with rest, what misreading scripture with Western eyes. Oh, okay. Removing cultural blinders to better understand the oh, Bible. Yeah. That was a good. That sounds That was good. a good book by um, Brandon O'Brien. Cool. Other podcasts. I mean, most of mine are pretty niche um, to <laughs> church leadership. Yeah. Um, make meager podcast about parenting. Yeah. Um, Gerald Brooks podcast is church leadership. Most amount of church leadership. Yeah, I know. That's always the hard part. It's I'm trying like, to well, think off the top of my head. You guys head. are really into church leadership. We got a bunch of really good ones, but yeah. Well, anyway, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll do that. I sprung it on you for this one. So next next episode we'll have something ready. But thanks for taking the time to talk through this. Um, I love the way the way that you're shaping this series out. I think your approach to it has been really cool. So I like the the additions that you've been kind of working through it. So thanks man. Yeah. It's been fun. How long has our conversation been? Perfect. Long enough. Long enough. It's from the people in the room listening. So I guess it's been long enough for you too. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 